The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast on the Nick and Roy channel. Subscribe and share. What lives in Manhattan between 63rd and 76th Street that's going to freak you out? Why do skunks smell so bad? Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we scour the internet to find information you really don't need or do you so join us today as we introduce a brand new topic with a special guest some animals and a little bit of expressions and the mailbag totally useless information it's everything you never needed to know by listening once a week you get smarter than you think the Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Well, hello there, and welcome once again to another episode of the Totally Useless Information Podcast. I'm wearing red today because we have a brand new topic. Mm. How are you doing, Roy? How are things with you? Another tie. Uh, everything's really good, thank God. No complaints. No complaints. I know today we have a special guest. We have a very right? special guest. We have Jay Michaels. And he's our yes. okay. A little bit of background. He he's our old high school friend, uh, old meaning like many many years ago, forty plus years ago. So the same way that Roy and I are best friends, Jay Michaels is also a best friend. Jay Michaels is an indie theater and film producer, and also the host of Terror Talk on Terror TV. Welcome, Jay. Welcome to the Totally Useless Information Podcast, guys. I am absolutely thrilled to be here thrilled oh, as cool. in as in thriller right so uh, as you can tell the reason why we have jay on our show today is because we're introducing wow. a brand new topic it's all about horror and of course as we always do here on the totally useless information podcast we created an intro hair raising bone chilling blood curdling Listen, if you dare. What do you think? She's sick. Th that, that's what a lot of my dates ended like. So I, <laughs> I don't know if uh, you <laughs> Enter if you dare. We're going to talk about horror movies and TV shows and everything. Totally useless horror information. As if the podcast wasn't horror enough. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Jay, since you're our guest, you'll go third. Um, I'm going to start off with... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't go at all. He's just, <laughs> we're going to stump him. Yeah. We're, we're stumping Jay now. We're going to stump you now. Don't you dare. So I'll go first. So Scream, the movie Scream was inspired by actual events that took place in Gainesville, Florida during the early 1990s. Does this sound familiar to you, Jay? I know the movie Scream. I know Wes Craven created it, and it's actually a send-up of all horror movies uh, as as it basically puts the genre's rules 
to effect within a movie. What? Uh, what? Wrong. No, no, not at all. No, no. <laughs> I, listen, our audience, Jay, really, honestly, third grade is is really like far for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> usually, usually third grade on beef is really good, but not on this podcast. I understand. An American serial killer known as the Gainesville Ripper murdered students in rather disturbing ways. Screenwriter Kevin Williamson watched a news report about the murders and was scared out of his mind. The fear inspired him to write the opening scene for Scream. Okay. And, there you go. And my son went to that college, University of Florida. Go Gators. Wow. Chomp, 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 chomp. Go Gators. Okay. I got one for you, Jay. Uh-oh. How many people associated with the movie The Exorcist died during production. Oh, actual people that died. Mm-hmm. You got me. I don't I could tell you I could tell you exactly how the the priest was killed at the end and even Max von Sydow's death in it, but I don't know who actually died on the film. That's because you don't know. <laughs> no, okay. Because, you know, I, I wanted to say, your mother so sucks, you know, but whatever. But anyway, <laughs> family you know what I mean, everyone, but it's PG here. So actually nine people died wow. during, yes, nine people associated with the set died during production. Now I'm going to tell you that's a pretty large number. So that movie, yeah. and let me tell you something, something else. In grammar school, I went to a Catholic grammar school, and they told us if we went to go see that film, okay, that we would be thrown out of school and go to hell. Now, I couldn't understand which one was worse, but, (laughs) you know, I didn't want to get thrown out of school. So, you know, I'm still going to hell. (laughs) I'll see you there. (laughs) And this is how the podcast was born. No, by the way, Linda Blair from The Exorcist now runs a charity for... Uh, for rescue dogs, really. That when when she goes to conventions uh, uh, to to sign autographs as being the the original uh, Devil, Ch- Devil Child in The Exorcist, there's a huge poster of her uh, of her charity. And many times when she goes on the air, she talks about that charity. Relatedly, Burt Ward from the original Batman TV series also sure. has one of the largest rescue dog charities on uh, in North America. Wow. So so Linda Blair puts the dogs up on like a little. A podium thing and spins them around until they get sick and vomit all over everybody. What do you have for us in terms of uh, from your your uh, plethora of knowledge of terror and horrible and horror movies and TV? Okay, films? I have a whole bunch actually. I figured let's keep to the classics and talk about Dracula and Frankenstein and let's try to be topical. So this is the plague edition of uh, of the totally useless podcast horror episode. Uh, in 1816, during what was considered a plague then, uh, it was called the year without a summer because climate conditions literally prohibited the summer from actually happening. Uh, there was uh, four, uh, four poets, four authors who were quarantined in, in a chalet. And so to pass the time, they drunkenly started a contest to see who could, who could write the best story. Uh, the four people there were Lord Byron, uh, Percy Shelley, and, uh, another, and a writer doctor named John Polidori. Uh, the fourth one I'll tell you in a moment. Anyway, uh, so their drunken story revealed two stories. John Polidori created a tale called Vampire, 
and that became uh, the basis for Dracula uh, by Bram Stoker. And Percy Shelley's wife, Mary Shelley, wrote the story of Frankenstein. So in one drunken party, we got Dracula and Frankenstein. Roy, take it away. Who's the fourth? She is. is. Oh, Lord she was Byron, the fourth. Percy Shelley, John Polidori, and Mary Shelley. Wow, Frankenstein and, and Vampire. Which and, and, the basis of, and the basis of Dracula, which was a, a story called Vampire. You don't want to say anything about the fact there's a drunken party? No, what I want to say is, Nick, we this is a half-hour show, so basically give... Give Jay like one time to speak. <laughs> he's he's our guest. He's our guest, and based on the information and and Jay, we mean this from the bottom of our hearts. That fact sucked. Okay, Dracula. Uh, who, played, who played the Who played the first Frankenstein? Who was the first actor to play Frankenstein? Was it Boris Karloff? Wrong. Lon Chaney. The very first version of The very first version of Frankenstein was done in 1910. And an actor named Charles Ogle played it in a silent film. And the producer of it was none other than Thomas Edison. So not only did he create ah. the electric light bulb in the motion picture, he also created the first version of the play about creating a man. You, you tell him, Roy. You tell him all about, Nick, t- Nick. Tell him about Thomas Edison. Okay, ready? Okay, Nick, Nick knows, and so do I, because I've been on the show. Thomas Edison was the biggest huckster fraud mm-hmm. of, of our era. Ironically... Thomas Edison wasn't so bright. (laughs) Saw, the movie Saw was inspired, also inspired by a real news story. When he was 17, the director of Saw, which was James Wan, watched a news report about a man who broke into people's houses to tickle the feet of sleeping children. Okay? (laughs) It scared Wan so much that he slept with a hammer beside his bed. When the man in the reports was eventually caught, he revealed that he didn't commit the crimes on his own and he was forced to do it. So this sparked the idea of being forced of uh, behind forcing characters to do what they're told. And the tickling criminal was apparently sending pieces of jigsaw that told him and other people what to do, which was the inspiration behind the jigsaw killer in the films. I'm just going to get right to the point here. What horror film, Jay? This is an easy one. I'm giving you an easy one, then I'll give you another. So what horror film was the first to show a woman in bra and panties? Um, Metropolis, actually, if we want to talk science fiction. Metropolis in the, uh, is a silent film. Psycho. Vivian Lee. She's the 1960s? Like, yeah, bra and panties. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> he has this. Metropolis. <laughs> Metropolis, actually, she was topless, and that was in the 20s. Leave it to you to put the pornography in here. Oh, sorry. Leave it to me to put the pornography? Oh, Jay's like, like, ah, come in, Nagasaki. (laughs) (laughs) This happens from time to time. So Roy and I don't, clearly, as you can tell, we don't prepare or rehearse these podcasts. We we tell each other what the topics are going to be. Yes. We tell each other what the topics our topics are going to be, and then we just present the, the, the facts. So I had something about Psycho, nothing to do with bra and panties, but Psycho was the first American film to show a toilet on the screen. It's also the wow. first American film which we actually hear the toilet flushing. 
That's how repressed Americans were in the 1950s. So Psycho was the first American film to actually show a toilet on screen. This brought to you by American Standard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're just flush with information. I got one for you, Jay. No, it's his turn. This one you should know. No, no, hold on. It's his turn. Uh Uh-oh. Now it's his turn. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Jay, our guest. Hello. Uh, now, we all said Boris Karloff was, was the first official Frankenstein, at least that we know of, aside from, from the early silent. Um, mm-hmm. How is he related to the king and I? Wow. Is, is what's his name? The bald-headed guy Yul related Brenner? to him? Yul Brenner? Boris Karloff's great aunt was Anna Leowens, the basis for Miss Anna in The King and I. So basically, uh, uh, when you whistle a happy tune, you're thinking of Boris Karloff's great aunt. Cool. Won't be See, the- now that was pretty good. This one you should get. Okay? Now I want you to put your thinking cap on. What color is Freddy Krueger's sweater? Red and black. Mm. No, close though, close. It's all tattered. It was red and green. Oh, it was close. Oh, red and green. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I just fire them out. Yeah. God, God, Nick, go. All right. <laughs> Eli Roth directed Hostel and Cabin Fever, and he has okay. stated that the best way to make gory scenes even more realistic is to use fruit. A grape makes an amazing eyeball when photographed at the right angle. I'll never look at grapes again the same way. Wow, that's a great squishy. fact. Yeah, it's a great squishy little eyeball. It's a grape. What do you got, Jay? Okay, what do I got here? Now, once again, let's uh, let's segue into uh, uh, into this. Was Boris Karloff the first actor uh, offered the role of the monster in Frankenstein? Based on how you asked that, I'm going to say no. Did I win? Uh, you won that part, yes. Yes. Uh, it seems a short while before that, uh, another actor who won a role because another actor died uh, was offered the role because he became famous. Long story short, when Lon Chaney Sr., who oh, played the Phantom I of the Opera... I should have said it. I should have said it. Yes. When he when he died, they gave Bela Lugosi the role of Dracula, which he played on Broadway. He became right. world famous for playing weird characters. And so when they decided to film Frankenstein, they offered it to him. But he would not take it because of the lack of dialogue and too much makeup. So essentially, Bela Lugosi created his top rival, Boris Karloff. Cool. They had weird names. Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Those weren't their Boris Karloff's names. real name, by the way, was William Henry Pratt. All right, you show off. William Henry. He had the clap? William, what did you... <laughs> William Henry Pratt, and he was from a military family, and he thought they would be uh, uh, embarrassed by his chosen career. Ironically, they loved it, and one of his brother's favorite pictures is Karloff in full makeup, you know, with his arm around his brother. So as much as he changed his name to avoid uh, such problems, uh, he didn't need to. I don't trust people that change their names. But going on. Thank you. You know, I knew. <laughs> I knew all that SOB, I know what he's going to do. Oh, oh, It requires oh. too much editing. <laughs> You're listening to a very special edition of the Total Useless Information Podcast. We will have other topics as well, but right now we're talking about uh, horror movies and horror TV shows. We have our very special guest, our very good friend, Jay Michaels. Stump Jay. Stump. <laughs> my other stage name. 
he's um, yeah. he's an independent uh, film and uh, show, TV show director and producer, and of course the host of uh, Terror Talk on Terror TV. So Jay, we're we're really thrilled thrilled that you're with us. So Roy, what do you have for uh, for Jay at I'm this point? I'm having a great time. Thank you. You left out theater. I actually went to one of uh, Jay's plays. I have long, one long, long time ago. I have one better. I oh was my, in which one long, did you long, long, long time ago. Which one? Oh, that's why you saw it. He was in it. It was it was a small theater with very high seats. The seats, every row was like very much on top. You know, like I forget what it was. Uh, I I'll get it though before the end of the show. I was really impressed by it that I forgot the name. But anyway. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Joyce Randall from the Honeymooners, the original Trixie. Yeah. And she was on Broadway and she couldn't remember the name of the mo- of the play she was in. She said it was a flop. I can't remember the name. So, oh my okay, God. so you're in good company. Bang zoom. Well, she wasn't very smart as a character as Trixie either, Stop. but typecasting, typecasting. Okay. Stop. How many now. This, now I'm going to I'm going to stump you now, okay? Get ready. This is an easy one. How many people does Jason kill? In the first Friday the Thirteenth film, none. It's his mother Why? in the first Friday the Thirteenth film. Hey, yeah, you got it, you got it. Great, what? but what's his mother's name? Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Come You're, on. Yeah. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It, the first name was a Baywatch girl that everybody loved. Her mother's name was Pamela. Yeah. Oh, was it okay? Okay, I, yeah, Pamela. She okay. does all the killing. He does no killing. That's right. Go ahead, That's Nick. Right. Oh, I'm done. I, I I was so scared. I, I I'm finished. The I have one more. Sure. I have one more. Okay. And this is a good one, because it's cool. Because I really didn't even know this. The original movie, The Blob. Okay. What was it originally supposed to be called? And why didn't they use it? Wow. Okay, I, I I don't even know. Something like it came from outer space or something like that. No, I thought so too. But this is the funniest part of all. It's so st- stupid. This question is really dumb in a way. But but it you know it, it that's why sense. It's, that's why it's on the show. Oh, of course, so because everybody can understand it. But the original movie, The Blob, which again is a, is is like horror royalty, right? It was called The Glob, G L O. B, okay, the glob. A cartoonist named Walt Kelly had made a cartoon, not Walt Disney, Walt Kelly had made a cartoon called The Glob and told the, uh, you know, the the motion picture people, you better not name it The Glob because I'll sue you. So they said, all right, blob. (laughs) Actually, I think the way it really went was, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's it, blob. Go ahead, Jay. Give us one. All right. So finish off oh, the the, okay. uh, the finish off the horror segment of the Totally Useless Information Podcast. One from you, since you're our guest. Okay. And and then I have a shout out for all these people who donated these facts to me, and you'd be amazed as to who they are. Um, okay. Let's let's go back to current events. Uh, what year was Dracula first? The first version of Dracula. When was it done? 1918. 1930s. That's your answer. Final answer. Yeah. The first version of Dracula was called Nosferatu. It was a German film of 1922. Uh, 
They did not want to pay rights, so they changed the name to Nosferatu, which is German for the undead. They changed the names of the character, and they turned Dracula into a plague-like, rat-like character, uh, and, and, he invaded, and he invaded Germany. It was about three years after the Spanish flu, so that's where they got part of their idea. Bram Stoker's widow sued them, and in a historic case, won the intellectual property of her, her husband's book, and the film supposedly was destroyed. It is not. You can find it just about anywhere, and it's on Terror TV. Uh, and it is the first version of Dracula. They have since made a remake of it. And whenever you see the rat-like vampire in certain movies, they're basing it off of Nosferatu. Can you imagine that, Nick? You, leave it to the Germans. They're like, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll have this Dracula guy invade Poland, okay? And he walks over and he's like, I want your blood. On your purpose. <laughs> so what the hell, so what the hell is going on? So Jay, so give us your shout out. Yeah, not all of these facts. I, I conferred with with some colleagues, and so these things come from four sources. One is Spit and Vigor. It's a New York theatrical company that deals in dark drama, and the other three are Sarah Karloff, Boris Karloff's daughter, Lynn Lugosi, Bella Lugosi's granddaughter, and Dekra Stoker the great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker. And they all, at one point or another, handed me some of these facts. That is well, amazing. I have a shout-out. I have a shout-out who helped me compile these. Um, I have two people, Dracula and... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I had an expert in the field of horror movies. His name is Roy. <laughs> wow. So Jay Michaels, Jay Michaels, you're more than welcome to to stay on with us because we have more totally useless information. You're listening to the totally useless information podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm Roy. And Look. what is that over there, Nick? Animal, 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 crazy animal. Really delighted that you've joined us, and we are global. This this podcast is global, and I've never I haven't told Roy this. This is a surprise to him. We have two new Australian cities who, as of this week, started listening to the Total Uses of Information We're podcast. actually popular in Australia. Down under. Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. So let me start <laughs> off with my teaser. Why do skunks smell so bad? What makes a skunk spray so noxious is the complex combination of sulfuric chemicals and other things called theols. The human nose is extremely sensitive to theols and can detect these chemicals in minute quantities in just a few moments. In fact, our nose is so sensitive that they are added to natural gas that we can detect when it leaks because natural gas doesn't have any odor. So they add this kind of stuff. By the way, the smell of a skunk can be detected by a human up to a mile away. Yes, I believe it's in our DNA as well. It is. We know what the smell is before we actually smell it through our history and our genome. I'm getting a little scientific here. Um, it was the benefit of a classical education at Columbus High School. <laughs> which all three of us which all three of us attended, yes. This one you're gonna love, Jay. I did this for you. I wanted to do this. This was my teaser. There's something that lives between sixty third and seventy sixth street. It's called the Manhattan Ant. The Manhattan Ant. It is found nowhere else on the world other than between 63rd and 76th Street in Manhattan. I thought this was bullcrap, but it's not. It's true. And they're nowhere else in the world. 
They're a specific breed of ant. They have Chanel bags. They wear furs. <laughs> and they have an attitude. <laughs> Baby hippos are born underwater. Female hippos isolate really? themselves to give birth and return within 10 to 14 days. Baby hippos are born underwater at a weight between 25 and 50 kilograms or between 55 and 110 pounds for those of you non-metric people. An average length of 4.17 feet and must swim to the surface to take their first breaths. But they are born underwater. Cool. Uh, shout out uh, to Leah. Ross's daughter Leah had another baby. And she had it in one of those little baby pools. So she had it underwater too. Wow. Because of COVID, she had it at home. Pretty cool. One of those little kiddie pools. That's Excellent. very progressive. That's very good. Down in Florida, we do it in the regular pools. We just go... <laughs> <laughs> Not have a baby. We just do it. Listen, dolphins, we all know that dolphins have a lot in common with human beings. I guess it's it's just like a, 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 a purpose. <laughs> purpose. Purpose. Okay. But anyway, dolphins have a lot in common. With yeah, humans. He went there, Jay. He went there, yeah. I know. I know. I know. 75 to 90% of humans are right-handed, and 75 to 90% of dolphins are right-finned. Wow. That's how much they have in common with us. They actually have a trait of being right-handed. Huh. I didn't want to leave that one out. I didn't want it to be left out. out. Thank you. <laughs> now, we discovered in another episode, Jay, that I'm left-handed. Are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm both? ambidextrous. You are? Ooh. Great. I'm yeah. right-handed. And I'm left-handed. Chicken talk. There's, this is perhaps one of the most common chicken vocalizations. And if you have laying hens, congratulations, one that you're probably quite used to hearing. When chickens... Now, hold on. Now, this is serious, okay? We're talking about animals. Say, when chickens are getting ready to lay... When chickens, that just tickled me. That okay. Thank you. <laughs> Did you say laying yes, hens? I said it. Congratulations. <laughs> it's the noise that they make. If you're laying oh, hens, shit. congratulations. <laughs> you should be put in jail for that. It's bestiality, Nick. Uh, what are we gonna do? When chickens are no. getting ready to lay an egg, they're in the process of laying an egg. They make all kinds of noises. They can make a manner of format. The song can change a bit, becoming higher pitched and more frantic if two hens begin to squabble over the same nest box. So um, I grabbed some audio of someone who's an expert on chicken talk. The trill is saying, look, look, I have something to show you or tell you. She's bragging about just laying an egg. The one yeah. buff Orpington hen, I just thought she was brilliant. Tell her baby chicks that the other hen was dangerous to stay away from her. And she pointed to the other mama hen, and she clucked as she gestured, and she did this about three times. I was blown away. If I hadn't seen it myself, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> blown away. Yeah. That was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> exciting. Narwhal whales yes. have big tusks. That stick out of their mouths. Okay? I dated a girl like that once. <laughs> um, they are not tusks. They are actually teeth, but they are actually inside out. 
So the nerves and the skin portion or the pulp and nerves are on the outside and the hard portion is on the inside. This, this whale doesn't know whether it's coming or going. Exactly. And you know what? It was really enticing. I think that whale went to the prom by itself. Animal, animal, animal. Hey, you two are having far too much fun. That's the thing. Yeah. Totally useless information podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, com is where you can send your emails or complaints. So let's open up the mailbag. <laughs> we get loads of complaints. Oh. What's in the mail? Jim from Carbondale, Colorado writes, Dear Nick and Roy, we really enjoy your podcast. Here's my question. Is there a name for the symbols used in cartoons and comic strips to represent swear words? You know, like the ampersand, the number sign, the dollar sign, everything. All those characters grouped together to represent swear words. The term, mm. Jim, thank you very much for your your mail. We really appreciate it. Going after yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go ampersand, Sorry. number sign, dollar sign, percentage, ampersand, exclamation yourself. You tell him, Nick. The term for these symbols is called Grawlix. G-R-A-W-L-I-X, Grawlix. It's a typographical symbols that represent swear words. The term was a, first appeared in 1964, and American cartoonist Mort Walker, best known for creator of Beetle Bailey and High and Lewis cartoons, he created a whole bunch of symbols called symbolia. So here are some examples. Briffits are clouds of dust indicating when a character has left in a rush. That's Briffitts. Emanata, straight lines raising around a character's head indicating surprise. And Wafteroms, Wafteroms, wavy lines rising from something indicating a strong smell or heat. So there you go, Jim. Hmm. Some symbols for you to kind of chomp on. So thank you for your email, You asked, Jim. Jim, you got it, yeah. I, I, was, I was just going to say how impressed I am. I'm a comic book fan from way back, and, and I had no idea that Mort Walker created all of that. That's, that's pretty cool. I have my mailbag. It's Carol from North Dakota. And Carol writes, I love the fact that I can see you and Nick on the the TV, she writes. So Carol's probably about 150. Okay. But Carol writes, it's nice to see you on the TV. Now, let me just say this to you. Carol says, and I love this. She says, I like you guys a lot. But why don't you have some guests? So, Carol, duh, Jay is here. <laughs> Hello, Carol. Thank you so much. I'm here because of you, and I still watch TV as well. Thank yes. you. Right, so there you go. See, you, you send us an email. We do it immediately. We get to it. This is, this is how good we are. In fact, not only are we on the TV, Jay invented the TV. No, Jay invented yeah. terror tv no he didn't it's terror yeah. talk. No, but he's on it he's on yeah he hosts terror talk on terror tv so isn't it like six times but he's or... also he also does films and theater right did you tell the people that yeah he's independent, <laughs> he's independent. that's what i he's got independence oh right he's anyway thank you very much carol and once again if you have an email for us sending it send it along tui podcast at outlook.com what's in the mail 
Jay, you know this because you're an intelligent uh, individual. Every once in a while, you oh, hear. Have we met? Uh, have we... <laughs> who are you talking about? You said who's intelligent? Yes. Um, Thank from, you, Roy. I beat you to it. Okay. From yeah. from yes. time to time, we hear expressions every day, and so we have this. Where do expressions come from? I don't know where. I don't know where. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast, Baker's Dozen. A baker's dozen means 13. We all know that, right? This is how it came to mm -hmm. be. The old saying is said to come from the days when bakers were severely punished for baking underweight loaves. So mm. some added an extra loaf to the batch of a dozen to be above suspicion. A baker's dozen. Mm. I still don't trust them. If they, if they only put 1% less, they still got away with 2% at the end after giving you 13 I can do math. I have this education from Christopher Columbus. I always like to get a bigger bang for the buck. <laughs> you bigger about, bang for the buck. You're talking about high school? Where again? do you think that? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was prostitution, but bigger <laughs> bang for the buck. You don't know how many women I had to sleep with to get where I got in my life. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll tell us. So that you can... Bigger bang for the buck was actually invented by Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower. The president wanted to have a bigger army, but he didn't have the money. And he said, we need to increase this. We need to make our army more powerful. And the end result was they said, we can get a much bigger bang for the buck if we go nuclear completely nuclear and he then starts the the icbm missiles and so on and so forth because it was a bigger bang for the buck he succeeded uh harry truman whose slogan was the buck stops here so right. so it's sort of like he connects it that's interesting i had no idea these, yeah these people had nothing but like dollar bills in their pocket losers right you got a couple of bucks you think they were going to the strip club maybe <laughs> Uh, they we love them warts and all, warts and all. When uh, we've heard that expression, warts and all. When Oliver Cromwell, who lived from 1599 to 1658, when he had his portrait painted, he ordered the artist not to flatter him. He insisted on being painted, warts and all. A rose is a rose is a rose. The saying was made famous by Gertrude Stein in 1913. She wanted to express that things are what they are. So a rose is a rose is a rose. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we will finish this. They use that as a lyric in Bye Bye Birdie, actually. They use that, that line in one of the last songs in Bye Bye Birdie. A rose is a rose is a rose. See, I, you know, I knew we kept you on the show for a reason. Uh, we're, we are here <laughs> till the bitter end. Anchor cable was Ooh. wrapped around posts called bits. The last piece of cable was called the bitter end. And if you let out the cable to the bitter end, there was nothing else you can do because you had reached the end of your resources to the bitter end. I'm just happy as a clam. <laughs> okay, happy as a clam. Where do you think that came from? Fishermen, when the tides were high, the, the clams would shut. 
when the tides got low, the clams would open up to, I guess, get some fresh air, maybe clean house. I don't know. But they would open up. So <laughs> fishermen would look from the boats. They'd say, oh, it looks like they're smiling. You're happy as a clam. Oh, that's oh, funny. Wow. That is oh. pretty cool. Because clams pretty much open and shut. It's like if they were lawyers, it will be open and shut case. Where do expressions come from? I don't know where. I don't know where. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. Nick can really shell them out. You know? Yeah. He can shuck that comedy. Yeah. My- oh, something's fishy about that remark, Roy. I don't know. <laughs> Chow dare. Yeah, speaking of speaking of chow, it's time for us to go. This is the end of the episode, unfortunately. We're out of time. He wants to stay. We have a lot of more questions for him. That's right. Well, maybe, listen, what we'll do is we'll set up another appointment and we'll have a, you on another edition of the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Will you come back, Jay? Will you come back? I I'm sure. Love it. Are you kidding? I w- I'm having a great time. I'd love to come back. How about I have both of you on my podcast because I'm going to go video shortly with mine and we do a totally useless theatrical facts and, yeah. and so you guys can can hit me with an arsenal of of entertainment uh tidbits done done tomorrow tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> uh jay michaels our guest thank you very much for joining us indie theater and film producer as well as the host of terror talk on terror tv and look him up look him up on facebook look him up on the net and you know what it was such a pleasure to have you on our podcast it was such a great time thank you very much for joining us my pleasure. TerrorTV.com, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, gentlemen. It was an absolute pleasure. Listen, we love this show. We love our audience. We love that we're growing all over the globe, which is insane. When we first started this, we had no idea this was going to happen. Uh, so definitely, folks, we'll see you next week, every Thursday. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. This way you never miss an episode. And tell a friend about the trend. And we will have more for you. That's right next time. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy, and that's Jay. Thanks for listening. 